Hey everyone, welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast for the Players Championship 2020. This is a fun episode. We uh, we have a good time here. We, you know, we, we go through some picks, we talk about key stats, we talk a lot of strategy here. We get into DFS, we get into golf betting, we talk about the new DraftKings tiers contest as well. You got to plant your flags this week. It's a big field. There's a there's a ton of tremendous players in this field. You got to plant your flags, make some some hard decisions, and me and Pat get all up in it. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Now, if you're looking to see me pay off my bet from last week that I lost, uh, where I have to get a tramp stamp, you need to go to our YouTube page and check out the video of myself getting a tramp stamp tattoo. Uh, it was it was not pleasant. I did miss the Xander bet, but you know what? It is what it is. I pay my bets, okay? This episode brought to you by our friends at FantasyNational.com slash TJ, where if you go to FantasyNational.com slash TJ right now, you get 20% off any membership, weekly, monthly, or annually. We've been working with Fantasy National for years. It is our go-to site for PGA Tour stats. You need to check them out if you've not already. And fantasynational.com slash TJ is where you go to get all the history, all the stats, all the recent form, anything you need to know about the course or the players. That is where we go, where you need to go. Check it out, fantasynational.com slash TJ. Let's get to the podcast for the Players' Championship. Here you go. What's up, golf addicts? David Barnett of the Tour Junkies. It is time for the Players' Championship, the fifth major Woo! from TPC Sawgrass. I am in person with my boy, Pat Perry, for another podcast. I think all year last year, I don't think we did any in-person podcasts, yeah. and now we've done like two in a month. It's 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 awesome. It is good. It is great. It's great to see you here. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you're looking good. Um, we appear to be sponsored by Tito's. Sponsored by Tito's tonight, uh, live on no the YouTube. free ads. Yep. But, well, tonight we do. Um, cheers, sir. Cheers to cheers. you as well. It's a great tournament this week. We are pumped about it. We've got a fun show tonight. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. For those of you watching live or going back into YouTube and watching, um, at some point tonight, Pat will be putting a henna stamp tattoo on my body, uh, on my tramp stamp spot. Which is, I don't know if I understood quite how this was going to work for the bet last week. I am very excited that I won the bet. But in some ways, it is like a Pyrrhic victory in that I have to be the one that actually applies said tramp stamp. Yeah. I didn't understand that that was going to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, like, and I don't have, I don't have rubber gloves or anything. Like, <laughs> I guess I could do it. I could probably reach yeah, around. Yeah, you might need to reach around. I, I almost won the bet, though. Xander, yeah. Xander almost pulled it out. Um, yeah, he, he, he almost made it happen. Uh, before we get into tonight's show, we got a great course breakdown. Um, we are at the end going to talk about our my betting card, our betting card. We're going to talk about the DraftKings tiers format. It is brand new for the Players Championship this week. We're excited about that. 
Uh, before we do that, we want to remind everybody, we have media passes this week. So tomorrow, on Tuesday and Wednesday, the PJ Tour has possibly made a giant error in letting us have media access. We will be on the course, me and Pat and our boy Ben Little, uh, we'll be on the course all day Tuesday and Wednesday. You are going to need to follow us on Instagram. I feel like Instagram is the easiest place to put out some good stuff yeah. there. Yeah. So follow us on Instagram at tour underscore junkies if you haven't already. Be on the lookout for that. That The chalk bomb is going to be very good on Wednesday night because we are going to be fresh off the course. We're going to have some great perspective. We may not be able to give you all the information that we find out on Tuesday and Wednesday in the chalk bomb just because we try to keep it readable, you know? Um, but I still think the Chalk Bomb is going to be full of goodies. If you've not already subscribed, go to tourjunkies.com, scroll to the bottom of the first page, the homepage, and put in your email, uh, bottom right corner. It, it is the best free DFS email content that you could possibly have. Um, should we, should we um, set expectations on the release of the Chalk Bomb email? Will it true. perhaps be a little bit later than normal because we'll be on the course on Wednesday? Ben's got a lot to put together. We might have to have, like, Ben. Like, I don't know if we have our own little workspace, but we need to, like, get him a workspace, Ooh, yeah. you know, at the, at the, in the media center and have him, you know, we could, like, record him doing his work. Like yeah. Like, work. Like a real media person? Like yeah, like actually, he's acting like a real media person writing an article. Yeah, because I don't think we requested a workspace. We're really not trying to work, but um, mm. that's a good idea. That, that is a good point, because... Normally, these jokers are, you know, tweeting us at like 3 p.m. on Wednesday wondering where the chalk bomb is. So, yeah. the chalk bomb will probably come out later because we'll be on the course late on Wednesday. So, it may come out a little bit past what we're used to. Okay, people? So, just calm down. It'll be out. But yeah, we I'm going to try to gain a lot of um, pontificate with Pat thoughts while I'm out on the Ooh, course. yes. Like, yes. I feel like there's going to be some things we're going to see, whether it's with other media people. Um that could be interesting and yeah. uh, you know whatever else players yeah um, um it's going to be it's going to be a good week plus all the inside scoop that we're going to get or most of it from the caddies we know the players we know the coaches we know on the grounds at TPC we are going to dish out in the nut huts on Tuesday and Wednesday as we um, you know as we get that info that's what we're going to do it's going to be critical information that you're going to want to need to know if you're playing DFS or betting um, so if you don't already know what the Nut Hut is and you clearly haven't been listening to the show, it is our private member-only chat room on tourjunkies.com. It is only $10 a month or $90 for a year. Listen, if you join right now, you get the players and the masters for $10. And that is where me and Pat, Ben Little, our European pro, Ash Morrison, get in on a weekly basis, talk through what we think, strategy, picks, fades, betting, DFS, whatever it is, we will answer your Nut Hut questions in that chat room. And it's a wonderful community, even beyond just us. The community is blossoming right before our eyes. It Friendships really are being forged. Advice is being given, not just from us to the people, but from people to people, which is truly lovely to see. It is. Um, it is. It's been one of my favorite things about the Nut Hut since we started it. I didn't really expect that, but it, uh, it definitely is uh, It's like a family in there. So. It is like a family. Um, so I, I'm excited about the Nut Hut. You're going to want to get in that. Plus, we have a listener league for the Nut Hut that started about three weeks ago. And here's the deal. We are going to keep track of how many, you know, who finishes the highest throughout the season in the listener league, okay? 
and throughout the year through the tour championship. And if you win, if you win, we are going to host you to either Augusta, Georgia, my hometown, and you're going to play with me and maybe Pat at Champions Retreat, which is the home site of the Augusta National Women's Amateur coming up in just a few weeks. Or you can come all the way to Savannah and you can play with Pat at his home course, which is Deer Creek at the Landings, which is a Corn Ferry Tour tournament. Um, you could do that, which is awesome. So if you, if you haven't already gotten in the Nut Hut and started in the Listener League, you're behind. You need to get in as soon as possible. That's what you need to do. Pat is taking care of his dog, and it's very distracting. All right. Sorry. Uh, also, I think it would be fun this week because we got a lot of new listeners maybe. I think it would be fun to do something that a listener suggested a while back, the Cube Loser shout-out, which is basically he's talking about like a cubicle. Cubicle. Yeah. So, but, but I want to say like wherever you listen to the Tour Junkies podcast or watch the Tour Junkies podcast, take a selfie Show us where you're at. Show us what you're doing. If you're in the shower, please censor it because we know we have a few people that listen to us yes. in the shower. That's just weird. Uh, take a, you know, take a selfie and hashtag Tour Junkies and show us where it is that you listen to the podcast. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Instagram. Be sure and tag us. Um, by the way, we had a Tour Junkies listener win $70,000 on DraftKings last week. He emailed us this morning to tell us thank you that he'd been listening for years. And I said, did you tweet it? And he goes, yeah, I did. And I said, did you tag us? And he goes, oh, no, I didn't tag anybody. I'm like, freaking tag us, man. Like, what do, are you doing? Do some Thanks for the email, but you want $70,000. Like, only you and I see that email. Yeah, so he did He did eventually go back and tag us. So tag us and hey, tell us where you're watching. Speaking of that, watching. too, actually, um, I have a friend who listens to us, and uh, I don't think I told you this, and he was texting me on Sunday. Now, he played... For some God knows what reason, he played one of those winner-take-all contests. And he won $3,000. He won the whole thing. What? Yes. That's fantastic. But uh, anyway, I don't, I don't know about playing those winner-take-all contests because he could have finished second and would have been pissed. Pissed, yeah. No money. Um, so, yeah, give us a shout-out. Show us on Twitter. Show us on Instagram where you're listening, how you're listening to the podcast. Be sure and hashtag Tour Junkies and tag us. Um, Pat, the last thing I want to get into before we get into this course breakdown is a lot of listeners know that you uh, had an unfortunate New Year's accident on a golf cart, on a golf cart that may or may not have involved Tito's. Um, have. And you hurt yourself. But our friends at CryoFreeze have helped with your chronic pain, and it is the worst. And some of our listeners may be experiencing chronic pain themselves. We've been using the roll-on. You know, everybody get your roll-on. Uh, I've been working out a little more, as I'm sure people mm -hmm. can probably tell if you're watching on YouTube. So I've, I've had a little muscle, little little joint soreness, so I've been doing that. Um, so Omax Health and our friends at CryoFreeze are looking to get rid of your nagging muscle and joint pain. And their CBD roll-on is developed to block pain receptors. It's non-prescriptive, uh, triple action pain relief. It reduces your inflammation, all the good stuff. And it's 100% natural and CBD-powered starts taking effect in just 10 minutes of application and lasts up to eight hours. We've both used it, and it's both, both of us have, have done well. It's, it's better than Bengay. It smells better, better than Icy Hot. Um, and right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFree CBD pain relief roll-on and free shipping, and it, only apply, and it also applies towards any other product site-wide. So you go to omaxhealth.com and enter promo code TOURJUNKIES that's O-M-A-X, health, 
cryofreeze.com and enter promo code TOURJUNKIES and get your 20% off cryofreeze and anything else site-wide. Our boy Kyle Stanley uses the, uh, the old Omax Health cryofreeze CBD. And it is definitely, uh, it's definitely a thing that we've both used. Yeah, so great job on it that. Has, it has worked, and it helped heal your golf cart issue. It was part of my recovery process. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of uh, nothing, why don't let's talk about the course breakdown, some key stats. You ready to hear about it? Let's do it. Okay. So, yes, we are at the Players' Championship this week in Ponta Vedra Beach, Florida. Beautiful place, by the way, if you've never been there. Lovely. TPC Sawgrass playing 7,189 yards. It is a par 72 classic Pete Dye design. Uh, one of his great designs, by the way. By the way, rest in peace, Pete Dye. Yeah, RIP. Um, anyway, uh, we got a full field event this week. 144 players. You will have a cut at T65 and ties. Now, here's a big thing this year, and it was what we had last year because this course being in March versus May is a lot different. So we have Bermuda grass basically from tee to green. Uh, on the green, they actually do overseed it a little bit with POA. I think that means it's really going to play actually more smooth and more kind of like bent is, is what we've seen in the past or saw last year. You didn't see the, the bumpy greens that you might get a little bit with, with Bermuda. So... That's something to look out with for the fairways and rough are also overseeded as well with rye. Um, so it's definitely going to look green out there, but it's it's a little bit different than they've played in years past. So for me, I'm looking at last year's stats really as opposed to other stats we've seen the last few years because it's just a different course in March than it is in May. So it's, that's something to be looking out for. Um, sure. The rough isn't all that penal. I think you'll see it a little, you know, around – couple inches we'll be able to tell once we get out there on the course really what it's looking like um but it's still a difficult course that being said these guys can score out here and especially on the par fives you have got to take advantage of those all four of them are playing were played under par last year uh you've got 532 yards 583 yards 558 yards and then the 16th which is 523 yards all of those are yardages that these guys can get after, so I think that that is key. Uh, par four score or par five scoring is definitely something I'm going to be looking at. Water is in play in 17 of the 18 holes out here. Now, I think you're just, this. You can't get caught up, by the way, in what we've seen in the Arnold Palmer and the Honda Classic the last couple weeks. The weather is going to be perfect. Yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of wind. Now, I do think you got to avoid bogeys out here, and you got to avoid the big numbers with the water and everything like that. But they, this is going to be a different week. These guys are going to be able to score this week. They're going to be able to, you know, we saw yeah. you know, Rory was 16 under last year. Webb was 18 under in 2018. Siwoo was um, 10 See, under in 2017. And then Day in 2016 was minus 15, and Ricky in 2015 was minus 12. Anyway. That being said, those are the past chance, but these guys are going to score out here. Um, so, there you go. I I mentioned par 5 scoring is one of the stats that I like. Always looking at putting on Bermuda. I like scrambling and also strokes gained approach this week. So, there you go. Uh, uh, let, me, let me mention this too first. Okay. I think any type player can win out here. I, I mean, we've seen Bombers win. We've seen your shorter hitters. You know, we've seen guys, your ball strikers like Webb. Um, you know, Sergio, that kind of stuff. So, I, and also, you might be surprised to hear this, 
But I might dial back course history a little bit this week. I think it's I think it's so one I'm of those clutching things, my pearls. I think I'm it's one of those things that we just get spotty history on this course. A guy that can he'll do good for three years and then miss a cut for two years. Yeah. I mean it's just you just can't get married to course history, I think, this week. I'm gonna look at it and I know I'm gonna mention that when I'm talking about certain players this week, but I'm just not gonna be married to it. I'm gonna try to get my brain to be thinking in other ways as opposed to just course history and whatever else. Always looking at form, though, I think that is important. I get that. I mean, I do think um, everybody talked last year how different the golf course played in March versus May. So that's another reason that course history is a little spotty. But even if you, you know, even if you do look at course history, like you said, you, you definitely have guys that have some weird up and downs and, like, really good highs or, you know, really good ceilings, really, really – Poor floors. Um, so I, I do think I do think that's decent. Um, you know, I think you mentioned par five scoring. There's a ton of eagles on this course. You know, these guys make eagles. I think that's where your par five scoring comes into play. Uh, so we had a caddy tell us um, tell us this information already. He's been on tour for about 20 years. He's a big believer in experience here, even even though it's not necessarily course history but it's more so experience. And the main reason he said is realizing how much room you actually have off the tee at this golf course, which is pretty typical for a Pete Dye design. Um, you know, to, it, it tends to look more intimidating than it actually is uh, visually. So realizing that, um, but also saying that it's not a course that you can necessarily fire at, at, at pins, that you have to know how to attack these greens. So you can't, you know, the greens are, are, are average to um, maybe a little larger in, in places total, but your landing areas where they put the pins tend to be pretty tight. And so he talked about how, you know, you, you have to have a little bit of experience going around the, um, you know, going around this track to understand how you can attack uh, and that you just can't fire away at pins. And I think that's something that younger first-timers tend to, you know, tend to want to do. So I do think experience matters, but I'm... I, I'm not going to weigh heavily course history if a guy has a lot of experience here, but it's just kind of spotty. Yeah. I, you know, I, well, I might... and you, you kind of, we saw that a little bit with sort of what you're saying with John Rahm last year, where he just had a weak, weak moment on a hole. And, uh, yeah. you know, when he's in the hunt and the tournament, yeah. and obviously didn't have a ton of experience out there. And I think you, you definitely have to, whereas I do think it's not going to play as difficult as, as we've seen the last couple weeks. You got to, um, you got to be smart out there. You, you got to be aggressive in, in in the right spots, but you can't you can't be overly aggressive. Don't forget, the winner is getting two point seven million dollars. But how many FedEx Cup points? Six hundred, Pat. Okay, six hundred. Let's make sure we get that out All there. Right. We don't want to piss off the the sponsors. Um, two point seven million. So if you're playing in a one and done, yeah, you, this that, is a big week. This is a big week. Um, but that you know. This is a this is a tournament everybody in the field wants to win, no, no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, off the tee, I think this week is going to play pretty firm and fast. I think you've got dry conditions. Um, I think you got dry conditions here recently in Florida, as opposed to freaking Augusta, which is just soaked right now. But you got dry conditions. I think the course is going to play firm and fast off the tee, um, and I think these greens are going to be slick. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be agree. slick. Um, I had actually written that down too, and. Yeah, in all the and and these do putt like Bermuda. They're just 
I think they're going to put a little smoother, though. A little smoother, but they're still Bermuda. Yeah. So, like, I'm still going to look at, like, I still looked at last 100 rounds of Bermuda putting. Um, I looked at strokes gain approach recently. I looked at uh, strokes gain around the green recently. I think I think scrambling matters as well. We really haven't talked about this. I mean, this is a golf course where it tests your entire game. Um, from tee to green, on and, the putting which surface. Which is exactly how it was meant and designed. That's how Pete wanted it to be. Yeah. So, it really does test the whole player. But I do love that it doesn't fully eliminate a shorter hitter. Um, And especially this week, I don't think it eliminates a shorter hitter because I think it will play firm and fast. Uh, But you're going to miss greens here, and you better be able to get it up and down. So I looked at scrambling. Uh, I'm not really going super stat heavy this week. I'm I'm very much leaning on, in a week like this where it feels like a major, in terms of DFS especially, it's about ownership and value. Yeah. Um, well, and we've got a millie maker this week. So got a millie yeah, maker. Just... You got a bunch of big contests out there. You can't play them all. That's what you got to remember in DFS. You cannot play them all. You don't need to bet them all. Um, Up top too, I think you got to. You know, we'll get into it, but I do think it's it's planting your flags up there and, and just going with it. Um, keeping your pool down a little bit as far as your amount of players that you're looking at. Um, and then just seeing how it goes. But uh, I'm excited for this. But week. the bottom of the field is, is strong. Like, there's some no, really a, good yeah. plays in the bottom. And I think if you look over last year, maybe the year before, you definitely saw some lower, lower end guys pop, um, some cheaper guys score. Th- that is going to happen. So, I, um, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't want to go as, so far as to say that there's studs in the 6K range, but there's some there really are, damn some good really players. Good players. I think there's a little, even though I agree, like, talk, talking about the last two weeks, I mean, the Florida swing has been freaking brutal. So PGA brutal. National and Bay Hill have played so hard, a lot of that doing, you know, having to do with the win. Um, and, and I'm taking that into account a little bit. I still think the players is one of those golf tournaments where anybody can make a big number. There, there are certain spots here where anyone can make a big number, and you will see some chalky players miss the cut like we've talked about in the last couple weeks hey you know beware you're gonna have you're gonna see some chalk miss the cut you're gonna see some chalk screw it up because they're either gonna get you know one or two bad breaks here and there they're gonna make a mistake on the wrong hole um it doesn't look like right now there's any sort of weather impact uh like you said the weather looked perfect so that'll be something that we talk heavily about on wednesday but it looks like it's not going to be much of a factor in terms of a draw advantage last week there was a clear draw advantage um, at Bay Hill, but it's um, it's it's one of those where like I I like the guys coming off of at least either a round at PJ National or Bay Hill, or or both. Yeah. I mean I I do wonder if there's a little bit of a like if you played both PJ National and Bay Hill and made the cut in both, like that does look good on you. But at the same time, are you wanting to you know? like go into a coma for a couple weeks because you're exhausted like i know there was a lot of mental energy spent on both of those courses over the last two weeks but i do like a guy who at least has shown up in florida has put it on some bermuda has had to strike his ball well to content or you know to to make it to the weekend in that wind and now he comes here um to me i kind of i kind of like that i I like that recent form i'm not going to have a whole lot of guys who haven't played uh, in the last couple of weeks, unless they're just absolute can't miss scenarios um, for for whatever other reason. So, 
Um, anything else to talk about? I mean, let's get into the picks, but in terms of strategy, anything else? No. All right. I think that's good. I'm ready to go. Let's get to it. We're going to start at the top of the DraftKings range, the $9,000 and above range. Um, we're going to give you three tournament plays or GPP plays. We're going to give you a cash play and a fade. Pat, I am, uh, I'll start. I'm finally going to pull the trigger on Rory McIlroy, the highest price guy. Um, I, have, I have not played him in his last few weeks because I, I typically don't play the highest price guy. Um, but I, with the relief that you get, you got soft pricing in a week like this. You got a Millie Maker, you got a lot of public money, soft pricing on DraftKings. You're going to be able to fit a bunch of guys in your lineups. Uh, and if I got to plant a flag, I'm going to, I'm going to plant a flag on Rory uh, at 11-7. He checks every single box you can think of. The form is there. Defending champ. Normally, I don't do that either. I'm actually breaking all the rules here with Rory, but yeah, you really are. At ele- I just he's just playing too good right now, and I feel like I can almost guarantee a top ten with a lot of scoring potential. I mentioned how there's a lot of eagles on this course every year. Rory's going to get his, um, and then I know that there's guys in that six k and low seven k that I like. So for me, I will jump up to Rory. Um, regardless of ownership in terms of tournaments, I will go to Rory, regardless. Xander Schauffele, I'm going back to the well on Xander. I'm about to get a tramp stamp because of Xander, but he did not play poorly at all um, in very tough conditions at Bay Hill. He ended up getting the, the worst part of the weather draw, which he did. Which in, in, in the future I will be a little more wise yeah. about how I set up my bets because on Monday night when I made the bet, I had no idea that he would be getting the wrong end of the weather draw. You tried hard to get the eyes changed. I tried. Um, But he's still still on the wrong end of the weather draw, squeaked out a 24th place finish. Uh, He putted really, really well. Extremely well on the weekend. Scrambling wasn't great, but he's just, I think he's very close. uh, And he's had a pretty good year already. And I love the value at 9,400. yeah, so I, I like Xander. He, he did miss the cut last year, but runner-up the year before. That, he's, he's a small example of a guy who up and down course history here, but I like the value at 9,400. And again, I think it's about ownership and value. I think Xander will probably, I mean, I think he'll go a little under the radar. I, I don't think he's going to be one of your more popular plays in the 9K and above range. So I'm going to go Xander, and then finally I'm going to go with Webb. I've, I'm going to go with Webb at 9,200. Won here in 2018. He's gained 27, over 27 strokes here in his last four attempts at Sawgrass. Now, he didn't play great at Mexico, but I'm really throwing that out. I, I don't really, I'm not really worried about that. His approach numbers check the box. His putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds, he is third in the field in putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds. Who? Webb. Okay. He's scrambling great, checks the box and scrambling recently. And then I looked at the last 24 rounds at Sawgrass in particular, tee to green. And he's 30th in the field in tee to green, uh, which is actually pretty solid for $9,200 and Webb Simpson. So I'm going to go Rory, X, and Webb. And I actually think Xander and Webb are going to give me a little little ownership relief. Uh, In cash... I'm going to go with a guy who has had a tremendous amount of success here 
at this golf course in only three attempts. He's got two top tens, and he's playing really well right now despite a missed cut. That's Tommy Fleetwood. He missed a cut at the Arnold Palmer last week, but again, got on the wrong side of the draw. We know Tommy just suits this course so, so well from a ball striker standpoint. I like that he's played the last couple weeks, third at the Honda in difficult, uh, in, in difficult conditions. But just wrong side of the draw last week. I throw that out, not worried about it. 18th in Mexico the week before that. Love the price at 9000 for Tommy. So I'll go Tommy Ladd uh, in cash. I think he's as safe as it gets. And I don't think you have to go as low or start your cash lineups at 9 k I think you can go above that. But I just feel like Tommy's the safest play and the greatest value in this range, which is what I want for cash. Although i got to be honest, I won't be playing much cash this week. I- I'm going to be... In, in on DraftKings, it'll be tournaments, GPPs, and the new tier structure. Yeah, and I'm not some, really interested in cash. I agree, and also, like you mentioned before, there's there's so many good GPPs this week. Some good, I mean, high numbers on the yeah. single entries and stuff like that. So, um, obviously, we have no Tiger, as he withdrew, which is a bummer because I was really hoping to get to ask Tiger a question in the media center. Um, but unfortunately, no Tiger this week. He's uh, resting the back. Says it's not a big deal. Are you are you worried about him showing up to defend his title in a few weeks in our hometown of Augusta, Georgia? I don't think I am. I think he's going to show. Really? Um, yeah. And I, I actually wonder if you'll see him play a tournament, maybe Valspar beforehand. I don't know. Um, I think there, that remains to be seen. But, yeah, I'm not worried at this moment. I actually don't I actually don't think Tiger is going to play again before the Masters. I mean, even last year, he, he played nothing between the players and the Masters. He took the whole month off. Yeah. And, and then he came won. out and won. Yeah. Um, well, didn't he take a lot of time off before he played the Zozo back in the fall and he won that? Yeah. Um, so, I just I mean, don't think he's – I don't think he's going to risk it. I think he's going to make sure he's well rested. I mean, I'm sure he's going to hit balls or whatever, but I don't think I don't think we're going to see him again until Augusta. But I agree with you. I do think he will be at Augusta. Yeah. Um, my fade in this range to me is an easy one, and it's Brooks at 10-2. I I know we saw him make a cut. I know whatever, but I just it's even his mindset, like his post round interview. Sunday talking about how his irons were garbage or actually he said shit and then somebody said you could get you're not supposed to say that and he said well find me which was awesome um it's up on our Instagram if you want to check that out but uh I just he doesn't he doesn't have his swagger right now he just doesn't and and I'm sorry but to pay 10-2 I know it's Brooks Kepka, right um but to pay 10-2 for a guy who in his last four starts has gone miscut 43rd miscut 47th you know, I mean, his last good finish was at the Tour Championship where he finished third. That was in August. So I'm just not I'm not ready to invest in Brooks. It's not, you know, yes, could you get some ownership leverage with Brooks in tournaments? I think you absolutely could. I think he's going to be like 8% owned. But I'm just not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it. Um, I'd just rather not. So Brooks is my fade. I'm out. I don't know that he's. I don't even know that he's fully healthy either. I mean, he, his knee may still be giving him issues. Okay. So there you go. Wow. All right. Well, we've got some agreement here, so I'm going to start at least there. And I had Xander Schauffele as one of my tournament plays. Wow. And uh, the reasons, or a lot of the reasons you gave, um, I think he's going to be a little lower owned coming off of that missed cut. I think people might miss the fact 
of how well he did play on that on the weekend. And you're right. I mean, his putting was extremely well uh, Saturday and Sunday of that tournament. And and so, and he had a couple blow up holes on Sunday, or really just like one. He had a double and whatever else. But I don't think his game is all that far off. Um, and and no, if you're looking so at last week, I think he could throw it out too with the the draw he got and everything else. So. I like him at 9,400. I think he's a good play. I think he might get a little bit of ownership leverage as well. Um, and then he's obviously checking a ton of boxes. I mean, the, the guy's just solid across the board. You look at, you know, he's number one in strokes gained approach in the field. He's fourth in bogey avoidance, top 15 in par five scoring. Great ball striker. So I, I love some Xander this week. So I'm with you there. I had Fleetwood actually as a cash play. I mean, as a tournament play. I didn't have him as my cash play. Now I think he could go either way. That. I think he could yeah. go either way, but I like him at nine thousand. Look, he had an exhausting week at the Honda Classic, where at the very end, you know, some may say he choked it away. Whatever, that that's arguable to me. I think Sung J M. Then he got on the wrong side of the draw. Then he got on the wrong side Hill. of the draw, and it just was it just kind of got away from him, which it, it can happen in, to any of these guys, especially in difficult conditions. We get back here on a course that he should be ideally suited for in great weather conditions. Um, so I'm definitely back on Fleetwood at 9,000. So e- either cash or, or whatever, you know, you can play them. Uh, as far as uh, up top, though, I'm on John Rahm. I love Rahm. I like how he's been playing. I think I can't hate you for playing Rory. I'm not going to fade him. Um, but I think this could be the week for Rahm to, to get a huge victory on tour. Definitely checks the box when you look at stats, strokes game approach. Um, he avoids big numbers uh, as far as bogey avoidance, par five scoring, uh, ball striking. I mean, everything really, he is just, he is on point right now. You know, you look at his last um, start here, and, and, you know, and when it was in March, he had that T12. I mentioned this earlier, but he, he just kind of, he just had some holes down the stretch where he just couldn't put it together and took himself out of the tournament. I think he's learned a little bit from that. So I do like Rom at 11,000 this week. I am, uh, and I like a little, getting a little bit of room there with $700 coming off of Rory and going down to Rom. But, but, look, yeah, I, I can't fault you if, you're, if Rory's your guy this week. Now, my cash play is going to be Bryson DeChambeau. Okay. I like him in cash. Look, he's at 9,100. He is in great form. He finished top 20 here last year. Um, so a good finish. Um, and he's and if you want the year before that, um, in slightly different conditions, he made the cut his first year here at T37. Um, there, you know, the stats I think are they can be a little bit spotty. I mean, his approach stats don't look all that great, but he's not having he's not you know shooting huge numbers. He's not having blow up holes. Checks the box in bar five, par five scoring. His ball striking has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so at, at 9,100, with the way he's playing lately, I just I think he is an extremely solid play. I, I was surprised that that's the price that we got for Bryson. I mean, let's just I mean fourth last week, second in, the, in Mexico, T5 at the Genesis. I mean, the guy's been on fire. So I like him in cash. I'm playing in tournaments too. Okay, did you see the video uh, of Bryson? I noticed you. So, for the listeners out there that aren't watching on YouTube, as soon as I mentioned Bryson, I started. Yeah, I David even, starts twitching, I and then he went to go to get another drink. 
<laughs> I honestly didn't so, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry to do that to you. Actually, yeah, I'm glad to I, I need to have extra Tito's for that. Did you see the video of Bryson missing that putt and saying... Oh, yeah, that was, that was it's, hilarious. It's a 1%, it's a 1% grade, 1% slope, or whatever it was. Like, God. Okay, but here's what I'll say about this 9K range, and I wanna, I'll button, we'll button this up and move on. I've got my fade still, but... Oh, yeah, who's your fade? Go ahead. Well, I think the easy fade is DJ... Because he just never has done all that all that great here. Um, well, I'll say that he was fifth here last year. Let me back that up. He has done pretty good here, but I don't like his form at all. But you know what? He is not going to be my official fade. My official fade is going to be Patrick Cantlay. Wow! At 9800, missed the cut. Me missed the cut here last year. I think he's going to be one of the highest owned guys here. I think you're not going to have any leverage when you play him this week. He's coming off. Of, he hasn't played in over a month. So I'm just I'm a I don't know I'm gonna be bold with the with the can't lay fade. Okay, so what I was gonna say in this nine K range, and that, I'm this is interesting. So in terms of DFS, I think the only guy in here that that I can make a a comfortable case for fading is Brooks, which I did. So if you want to play any of these guys in this nine K range, you know, be my guest. Hey, we give me some more too. Um, be my guest, but I. At the same time, like you gotta, you gotta realize that you can't play them all. Like you need to, you need to plant your flags. So you need to stick to like three guys, two guys, and plant your flag. Tighten up that core in DFS, and and just roll with it, okay? Um, but the only guy in here I can really, really get behind you fading is Brooks. So if you hit us up in the Nut Hut or you do whatever, like. I'll probably sit, you know, if you're like, hey, I really like Adam Scott. You know, what do you think about Adam Scott? I'd be like, look, man, play him. Like, yeah, I get him. it. I totally get it. These are the best players in the world other than Tiger and right now Brooks. Um, so I get it. I, but in terms of, like, who I'm right now, you know, who I'm planting my flags on, it's Rory, it's Webb, it's Xander. Uh, and I actually don't, don't think DJ's a bad play. I, I think if we get DJ, I mean, we're getting him very cheap. He does have a good record here. His iron play has been pretty good. Um, I don't know what I was looking at when I was talking about that record. He does have a good record. He's, he's actually he's 22nd in the field in tee to green history at uh, TPC Sawgrass, which is way better than Brooks, way better, actually better than Webb, better than uh, Bryson in his limited history. So I don't mind the DJ play. I, I literally think the only one I would tell you, like, just do not, like, just avoid is Brooks. So that's it. I just think that this is a. a but Cantley, I cannot get behind this that. This is fade. A, there's, There's no way he misses the cut here two years in a row. He's such a great ball striker. I just can't see it. But I'm also a sucker for Cantlay. I, I, I definitely acknowledge that. Well, if you do look at putting on, on Bermuda, he is 80th in the field. Yeah, he's not good there. So, I mean, I think that you can take some risk here with some of these guys, and Cantlay for me is a guy that you could take a risk and fade. Um, I realize I'll probably get a bunch of crap for that, but I'm just saying. Look, I mean, if you're if you're gonna plant flags on guys you like, then you got to plant some flags on guys you you may not like, oh, yeah. who you think are gonna be high owned, which I think he will be at 9,800. He is gonna be. Who do you think's the highest owned guy in this in this in the in the the millie maker? Like, if you're gonna guess in the millie maker in the nine can above range, yeah. Ugh. I mean, Rory was 30 percent owned. Rory may be. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be Rory, honestly. 
Cause, do cause, you think Cantlay is up there? I think Cantlay is probably top five. Yeah. Um. But you know, it it I'll admit it didn't work out last week for me. I mean, I saw Hatton being, you know, up in twenty percent above above range and. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Sh- shockingly, I actually don't hate your Bryson pick as much as much. I did bring up, I did start pouring more vodka, and I did start talking about his one percent slope thing. But I actually don't hate the Bryson pick. I mean, him included in that nine k and above range, it's a great value for as good as he's playing right now. Um, for cash, I mean, yeah, wherever. So, um, all right, let's let's move on. Let's get to the eight k range. I love this range. This is a tough spot. It is a very you hard gotta, range. I hate it because it's hard. That's why I hate it. Yeah, it's hard to pick these guys, so I hate the range. Um, I will say, you know, we talked about Bryson, which is all business, right? All business Bryson. He's so smart. And we probably got some smart people listening to us that probably have their own businesses or work high up in businesses that they have to hire people. And when you start your hiring process, you probably have some questions. Like, are you going to get good applicants? Are you going to get dummies? Uh, what about their education, their experience? How will you know you've made the right hire? Well, our friends at Indeed are here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day. To find that next job, you can post a job in minutes if you're uh, looking to hire somebody. You can use a screener to ask the questions, and you can add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in their abilities when they apply. They have more than 50 skill test ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking, which me and Pat would probably bomb at. Mm. Um, They can give you smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly so you're confident in making the right hire for your team. So go to Indeed.com slash Tour Junkies. That's Indeed.com slash Tour Junkies. You get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. So if you need to hire somebody right now, you get a free upgrade to push it out to all those people when you go to Indeed.com slash Tour Junkies. Uh, That is Indeed.com slash Tour Junkies. Terms and conditions and exclusions do apply. That offer is valid through March 31st. We appreciate Indeed helping out the show and uh, supporting the Players' Championship. So that's, uh, that's, that's the 9K range, Pat. Let's get to this chalked full 8K range. This is a fun one. I, God. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Hideki. I'm going to start off with Hideki. He is not only a tournament play for me, but he is also going to be a cash play for me. Uh, when you look at adjusted strokes gained, with him over the history of the Players' Championship. He is quite good. Uh, last year finished eighth, uh, missed the cut in 18, but before that, T22, T7, T17. So despite the poor putting from Xander that is just, I mean, from Decky that is just constant, uh, he still manages to play quite well here. Now, last week at the Arnold Palmer, he finished 56th, but again, he caught the wrong side of the draw. Um, but he actually still gained strokes tee to green. He just sucked putting, which, which is what he does. But before that, 6th, 5th, 16th, 45th, 12th. Um, I think Hideki's a good, solid bet. Now, is he going to be chalk? Yes, I think he probably will be. I think he will be, too. But, but I don't, It's amazing with him and the putting. Like, if he was a good putter, he would. nobody... He would, I don't... I mean... He'd be the number one player in the world. He would be His the number ball one. striking is so good. He is top five in every ball striking category I looked at. In my, Green, in my Tita Green Sawgrass category, he's fourth in the field. Um, he just can't. I, I mean, I threw up, like, just, just to have some stats here, I have six 
favorite stats in front of me, and he's the worst he's in is 24th, and that's par 5 scoring. The worst. Maybe like the fact that these, these you know, I talked about how the, the landing areas here were kind of small. Maybe if he's so good with his irons at hitting those smaller landing areas, he just doesn't have as long of, I don't know, I don't know. You would think he'd just try to hit it close every time, no matter where he's at. But anyway, I'm going to go with, with uh, Hideki at 8,800. And then I'm going to go to my boy that I always tend to have really good luck with. I have a great radar for Mr. Patrick Reed. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to Reed at 8,500. You know he's got to be just salivating over the 2.7 million. He would all but lock up his Ryder Cup spot this year as an automatic bid if he hasn't really already. I think he's like third or fourth in the Ryder Cup standings. Um, I, I, I just he's the bulldog that you want. He's not. He's going to grind it out. Um, he doesn't have a tremendous record here, but he's been he's been okay. He's been consistent. You know, he makes cuts. He finishes top 30. Uh, but the value at 8,500 for Reed with the way he's playing right now, the scrambling ability that he has, the putting, the short game, just the way he's playing, it makes him super attractive to me. So Decky and Reed in tournaments. Decky is my cash lock. And then, you know what? I don't care that he's super cheap and he's got an amazing record here. Jason Day did not look good last week when he withdrew from Bay Hill. I watched the video. It wasn't fun to look at, and I, with the amount of exposure I'm going to put into the players, you know, I, I've, I've dialed back the bankroll the last couple weeks in preparation for the players, so the bankroll is going to be out and, and over and above what the normal bankroll would be, and I'm not going to invest in Jason Day. He clearly was messed up last week with that back injury. He was walking gingerly, couldn't swing right, not good, uh, withdrawing at Bay Hill. Now, does he have a history of withdrawing from events and then the very next week having a great week? Yes, he does. Yeah. But a lot of times that's like because of an illness, the sniffles, or you, you could see this withdrawal coming if you were watching that round. I mean, it was not good. It was not good. So I, I, I am, I am out. I, and you I, may, this may end up being, you know, like one of those fades. Like, like I think we had JB Holmes as a fade last week, and he he withdrew. Yeah, you know, like this might be the easy one with it withdrawals, and so again, and so you, you it, come through looking like. I feel like I'm given some easy fades with Brooks and Day, but I also know that like there's a lot of people that are casual players of DFS that will listen to this show because it's a popular week, and I just don't want to out. I don't want to outsmart myself or anybody else. I like, I just don't think you should invest in Jason Day or Brooks Kepka this week, whether you're betting or playing DFS. Odds are it's not going to turn out pretty for you now. Come Wednesday night, Day's projected at 5%, and everybody's wigging out because he's got great history here and all this kind of stuff. I don't care. Like, I would just rather – I would rather him beat me and be healthy and like, oh, okay, well, prove me wrong than me risk it on him. So I'm out. Okay. I like it. Um, well, more agreement again here. Um, I actually have as one of my favorite tournament plays Patrick Reed – at 8,500, mm. I'm totally with him. With you, as a matter of fact, I thought you were going to say he was your cash play because I like him in cash. He will be one of my cash plays as well. Um, like you said, all the reasons. I mean, Decky's a much safer bet in cash for only $300. That's why I did that, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, either way, I like Reed in both cash and tournaments. I like him, by the way, if you're, if you're, if you're betting, I think he might be the shortest odds guy that I would look at. First, if you if you want if you don't like you know playing you know whatever I don't know what the let's see so you I mean, look, I, you look at the top you have like 
you know, Rom at 11 to 1, JT, whatever. I mean, those guys, if you don't want to play up there, I think if you start 35 to 1 is, is about the number where I'm seeing Patrick Reed. I think that's a pretty good number on him. So I like that. And for all the reasons you said, I mean, he just seems to have something this year that it is, you know, how in the world this happened? But with the whole cheating incident and everything, he's got this chip on his shoulder. And you could see him have one of his better years. It's a Ryder Cup year, like you said. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Reed in a, in, in, in a lot of weeks. And I am definitely this week. So I'm with you there. I like Sergio Garcia at 8,000. Woo! Yep. I think he's going to be Ooh. lower owned than you typically see him. Oh. He has, he does have a fantastic history here. Twenty um, second last year, he's made five straight cuts here. Um, you know, you look at the stats; they really don't jump out at you all that much. He's, he really hasn't been as good as as he typically is. Um, ball striking is obviously his best stat, which we, you know that's always his best stat. Um, but I like Sergio to 8,000. I think he's a good play this week. I think he's he's definitely a good tournament play. And um, I can't get I can't get with the surge pick, man. But we've seen him play pretty well this year. I mean, you've seen him. You know, you look at his last few events. Um, you know, he was uh, actually two 37ths in a row. That's kind of crazy. T37 at the WGC Mexico. T37 at the Genesis. Um, but I'm a fan of I'm a fan of him. I like the price, so I will play some Sergio. My fade this week at the top at 8,900 is going to be Ricky Fowler, and here's why. Okay, Pat, okay? with some bold fades today. I like it. You, right. You're making up for my really weak ass fades. Look, I think I love Ricky, and we saw a good finish out of him last week with a T18, and that's including a nine, a nine yeah. on a par five, I think. Um, that was not good. But I think he's still finding his game. We know he's been working with John Tillery. He's changing up his swing a little bit. I think you do see a lot of... Excuse, excuse you? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, may, I don't know if our... I don't know if, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize if our mics may have accidentally uh. picked up uh, what you just heard there. I'm sorry. Uh. I, I let one rip. Uh, Pat fed me good barbecue and asparagus tonight, so I apologize for anything our cameras may have, our microphones may have picked up on site. I thought we were trying to be professional, especially in, in person tonight, but <laughs> apparently not. Anyway, uh, Ricky Fowler, look, God, I lost my train of thought. I mean, I'm about to cry. This is this is this is not good right here over here in this area. It's not good. <laughs> I think that. Uh, anyway, the Ricky fade is is rather impressive. Uh, that's a bold call, Pat. Look, all right, we do see it's like a, a major. We do see some new money coming in this this week. Um, you know, money that you know people that haven't played in a while that you know they, they see these big tournaments and this is one of the biggest tournaments of the year, um, the fifth major. So I don't know. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of ownership on Ricky, um, and I just don't see it. I really don't see it. I think he's. Now, look, his game is going to come around where he's going to be a stud again. But based off the price and everything out there, I'm just not a big fan. Outside of his win back in what it was 2015, he really hadn't been all that great here. He's missed two cuts, T60 in 2017, T47 in t last year uh, in March. Um, 
you know, so I just and then and then the stats aren't there as well. I mean, across the board. I mean, he's 111th in strokes gained approach. He's 96th in ball striking night right now. Scrambling, you mentioned, was a stat you like. He's 85th in the field when it comes to that. So I just think I think Ricky is definitely worth a fade this week. And, and now we cut, we get to Wednesday and I start seeing him like extremely low owned. I may look at playing him, but I don't see that happening. Okay. Um, let's talk 7K range. This is an interesting spot. You got a lot of names here. I'm going to start. So I've been kind of a wuss here the last couple of tiers with my fades. I'm going to start with what I think is a bold fade and I think is going to be a popular play in terms of DFS. And that is Colin Morikawa. I am fading Colin Morikawa. However, um, no, that's, I, I, you cannot fade Colin Morikawa. Yeah, yeah. I, I am not allowing it. That is not happening. So here's what I think Colin Morikawa will make the cut, okay? Well, why would you think he wouldn't make the well, cut? Well, because there's everything. 144 players, at least 65 are going to make the cut, and that doesn't mean that he's going to return your value or he's going to kill you if he, if he does. His ownership has been consistently high, okay? Last week, he was 25% owned at the API. Now, here's what the only thing, the only chink in Morikawa's armor is scrambling and especially putting, and even especially more so putting on Bermuda. He is not good at putting on Bermuda. Now, it's, it's not like we haven't seen him have some rough finishes. I mean, even though he's made cuts, 42nd at the WGC Mexico in a 70-man field isn't exactly phenomenal, right? But I think that, here's what I think. I think it goes back to that experience thing. It goes back to the experience that our caddy friend told us about. Visually, this is an intimidating golf course. Knowing where you can and cannot be aggressive going into these pins. I just wonder if Morikawa doesn't, doesn't have the right game plan for, for this Pete Dye design and have a little experience under his belt. He's going to be like 20% owned at, I think, at least. No way he's at. Yes, he will be. Yes, he will be. I bet he's 20% owned. Okay. And now maybe not in the Millie Maker because it's super public, but in any other GPP, I bet he's twenty percent. I bet you you you're right. Actually, I do agree with you. I think in the in the Millie Maker, I don't think he'll be. So near that. I'm willing to plant a flag and take a chance that the, the the inexperience and the strongest field he's played in yet, and the poor putting and short game bites him here at this Pete Dye design. So that I'm going to start with the bold fate. I'm going right. to work back. Making, making real quick. Yep. Just so we can, we can, you know, we can speed things up maybe a little bit. I have him as a tournament play, and I just wrote down, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Next to, I mean, other than all the stats, just duh. Play. Did, did I? Did I? But you did. Did you, I happen to make you, you did, double? Th- you did like, make me think a little bit. Think twice about it. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to go with the forgot, what I feel like is one of the forgotten guys, and that's Kuchar at $7,800 in tournament plays. Playing well right now. Got a great record here. Um, this is the type of course that if Webb Simpson can win on, Matt Kuchar can win on. His hit, historically here at, at Sawgrass over the last 24 rounds, he is ninth in the field, tee to green. Very good tee to green. Very good Bermuda putter. 
Um, so I love Cooch at 7,800. I think that's a good play. Now, a guy that doesn't have a great record but is in really solid form right now, coming off of a great finish just last week at API is Mark Leishman at 7,600. I like Leish. Aussies have typically done pretty well here. Uh, Jason Day, Adam Scott, just to name a couple. Uh, so I think Leish is primed just with the recent form. Again, the, the history here is not good, but we talked about in the beginning. It's not everything this week, but I, I love where he's at right now. Ball striking-wise, he's second in the field in strokes gained approach over the last 24 rounds. He puts really well on Bermuda. He's got a good ball striking. Despite the poor form or uh, poor history here, he's actually 35th in the field, tee to green, over the last 24 rounds at Sawgrass. So it's it's uh, you know he at least knows how to get around this design, and I and I like that. Finally, my last tournament play in here that is another guy that that DB typically does not play, but he's checking boxes. I like the fact that he played well just last week, and I faded him last week, and he played well. And that is Matthew Fitzpatrick at $7,300. He finished ninth last week when I faded him, which probably means now that I'm playing him, he'll freaking trunk slam. But he's in good form. Um, you know, not a good record here. He's only played here four times, missed two cuts. Best finish other than that was a T41 last year. I think this is going to set up well for him. Uh, last year's course, I think, was a little softer, uh, a little played a little longer. This is, gonna, like we said, going to play firmer and faster. And I like that he just came off of a tough week at the API where he had to ball strike it really well, and he did. So I'll go with Cooch, Leash, and Fitzpatrick in tournaments. Cooch is my cash play. And then Colin Morikawa is my first fade. And I'm also going to fade Byung-Hun An. Um, despite the great ball striking, my second fade in this range is going to be Byung-Hun An. I, I just feel like you got to putt well at this tournament to, to finish well, to finish top 10, which is what you want, top 15. Um, I don't trust Byung-Hanan's putter, and frankly, I can't deal with it. It just it just hurts to, to have like, him rostered and then watch him do what he does. I can't do it. It, it is painful, and it's – it really – it kind of – it, 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 it just kind of hurts your body. Mm-hmm. In all parts. Okay. All right. Well, go ahead. <laughs> um, all right. So I mentioned Morikawa. By the way, um, my cash play is Cooch. I love him this week. Okay. He has won here before. Yep. You seem to have forgotten that when you were talking. That was about a long time ago. Yeah. 2012. But uh, yeah, he has won here before. But again, I think Cooch is a great play, and I think he is sort of a forgotten sort of person in here. And really, like you said, I mean, he's been in good form. You know, second at the Genesis T22 in Mexico. So. I like some coots this week as well. I'm totally with you. I'm sure the ownership's going to be high, but I don't care. I like him in cash. Um, outside of Morikawa, who I mentioned, I'm liking Scotty Scheffler at 7,500. I know this is his first time around this track, but you look at his form right now, 15th at the API, T26 in Mexico, top 30 at the Genesis. The guy's just an absolute stud. I mean, he's kind of getting lost in the – the hoopla around Morikawa and Wolf and Hovland and those guys, but I think Scheffler's the next one to win in that category. Um, and, and, and so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of him this week, and I think he's obviously going to be low-owned. You look at the, the stats, I like him from a scoring standpoint. He is 13th in the field in par-5 scoring. He is 7th in the field in birdie or better percentage. Checks the box in scrambling and ball striking. So I like Scheffler as a tournament play at 7,500. 
My last tournament play is going to be EVR Eric Van Royen mm. at 7,200. We saw him play well in Mexico, but not follow it up in the Honda Classic where he... Uh, ugh. Sorry. He almost won. Not the Honda Classic. I almost won Mexico. Oh, yeah, Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway. I didn't see the EVR pick. Coming. Yeah. That was interesting. Big fan of him. He is another guy. So, he missed the cut at the Honda, by the way, um, after that T3 at, at the WGC Mexico. But I, I like him this week. I mean, again, he's another guy who is a European tour player. We don't see a ton over here. But we have got some stats on him recently. He's checking the box and strokes gained approach, par 5 scoring. 11th in the field in ball striking, 9th in birdie or better percentage. I think he is a good play down there at 7,200. He is a solid, solid golfer, and uh, so I will play him as well. My fades this week, I'm going to start off up at the top here, and I'm going to fade Shane Lowry at 7,800. It's not, not, not feeling Lowry. Doesn't check the box in putting on Bermuda. He's 99th in the field in that, in that stat. He's missed three cuts over the last five years here. Um, he's always ten, he tends to be a guy that people just jump on for some reason. I, I don't think ownership's going to be that high, but I'm just again not a fan of Lowry this week. I don't hate it. The next fade is going to be a guy that we have been on the last few weeks, and I like him for the Masters, but he's playing his. Wait a second, let me make sure because it might be fit. No, fourth tournament in a row and coming off a miscut. Who am I talking about, DB? I don't know. Lee Westwood. No, he withdrew. He did? <laughs> yeah. He withdrew. Oh, yes. All right. That's a good fade. Fade up point for Pat. Okay. <laughs> He's tired, man. He's tired. He's ready to go home. I do love him for the Masters, though. Uh, let's talk 6K range. Uh, there's a number of guys in here. I'm going to give you more names than I normally do because I, there's obviously a lot of value here, and you're going to need it to play guys like Rory, who I like, Rom, who he likes. Uh, I think you got to start with uh, with the guy who's finished runner-up here last year. That's Jim Furyk, who you know checks a lot of boxes. And, again, firm and fast this year. I think that plays to his advantage. 6,800 is probably worth a look for old Jim Furyk. One of my absolute favorite plays this week, I think is an absolute lock, is Joel Damon. I know Pat agrees. We've talked about it. Uh, Joel is playing really, really well right now. Finished 12th here last year in his first time out. Plays well on difficult golf courses. Plays well on courses that test you, you know, tee to green. Um, and, and Joel's just in a good spot right now. So I'm believing a lot in Joel Damon. And, and, and maybe, you know, a guy right below him on DraftKings or right there with him at 6,600 is Max Homa. Maybe you avoid Homa. Um, first time out, not a great Bermuda guy, but, but, you know, playing well right now for sure. I just think if I had to pick one, I still like Joel uh, better than Max here. Uh, fine, uh, not finally, but another guy I like, Cameron Tringali. Good ball striker. Uh, has a decent record here when he's got a chance to play. Um, so I like he's in good form. I like Tringali. Uh, Ryan Palmer is tough to avoid at 6,500. There's a lot of upside with Ryan Palmer at 6,500. That's that's like, I mean, I don't think this course is great for him, but there's upside. And even if you look at his history here, in the last five years, he's missed three cuts at this event. He's made two cuts. The two cuts he's made, T23. 
you know, if you get a T23 out of Ryan Palmer at 6,500, you're pretty happy. I just think the upside for Palmer is uh, is very attractive. I think JT Poston is worth going back to. Listen, Poston had that huge round last week that really derailed uh, derailed him. But he said there was nothing wrong. It was just a couple squirrely shots. He, you know, it is what it is. He came back the next day and actually fired a pretty good round. Um, it was just an off week for him. But I feel like this is a great course for Poston and an interesting spot to get some tournament leverage at 6,400. And then finally, I'm going to go with Bud Colley at $6,200. Check the box. Colley. Checks the box to Shrosgain approach, uh, putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds, scrambling. Uh, he, you know, he hasn't been scoring very well lately, um, but that, that price at 6200 is very strong uh, for, for Bud Colley. So, um, yeah, give me a little Bud Colley. He's making some cuts right now. He's not doing anything else, but he's making cuts. That's really good at 6400 I think that's 6200 I, I mean, 6200 I think that's really, really good. I mean, there's a lot of names. I mean, what about six of the guys around this? I mean, there's a ton of people. What about Zach Johnson at bare minimum? That's incredible. Who finished 32nd last week at the Arnold Palmer, who's made four or five cuts at this event. The, the problem is, I guess, with somebody like that is like, their their odds of making the cut are probably way better than what what they what you would think they would be within price of six thousand, but his upside is probably limited. But still, that's pretty freaking. It's amazing. That's some soft pricing. By the way, I mean another guy above him. You look at Jimmy Walker at six thousand, who's finished top twenty five in two difficult events. Uh, he was T twenty four at the Honor Palmer, and then he was T twenty one at the Honda. Wow, I didn't and, even see that. And he's been. You he know, finished T2 here in 2018, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have terrible history actually, here. No, I didn't even so, I mean, that. Walker is a is – a, I just really started looking at him just now when you were talking about Zach Johnson. He's at minimum price at 6000 and has yeah. is, is obviously been playing well. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys down here that you can look at. I mean, we can't cover them all because there's so many. And there's, like, what, 40 players right here? Yeah. Um, anyway – Going back to Joel Damon, I, I can't even. I mean, I love him. I think I'm going to bet him yeah. outright. I'm going to put a half unit and he'll on him be high outright. Owned, him and Max. So I think if you're kind of, you know, what I looked at is maybe, you know, if you were to gonna, if you're going to think about their ownership and maybe having a pivot play, my, my pivot was actually Ryan Palmer. So I was surprised when you mentioned him. He was sort of my pivot off of those two guys. I think he'll be lower owned than those two guys. So. Um, up there, though, near the top, though, at 6,900, I like some GMAC. Um, hmm. I think this is a good course for him. We know he's a Florida guy now. He's 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 fully has his roots here in Florida. Um, at 6,900, I like him. He puts extremely well on Bermuda. He is eighth in the field in putting, strokes game putting on Bermuda. Uh, he's made seven of his last ten cuts. Um, we haven't seen him start here since 2017, but he made the cuts – Three straight years, 15, 16, and 17. So at 6,900 and just sort of the way he's been playing recently, I like some GMAC at 6,900. So he will be my other tournament play. Um, all right, let's talk, let's talk some betting. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit of betting. So just looking at some numbers, and I'm going to mention a couple guys that I didn't mention for DFS. But just, you know, I mean, you got to look at the values, right? Um, if I'm looking on like DK Sportsbook odds, which 
Maybe some listeners have the ability to bet there. Maybe they don't. You know me. I, I like to like to bet the long shots. You mentioned Patrick Patrick Reed at thirty five to one is kind of where you would start. Um, the first one that I wrote down much longer than that would be Paul Casey at sixty six to one. He kind of looked interesting to me. I mean, I don't I don't know. There's much difference in. There shouldn't be that much difference in Paul Casey and, and Patrick Reed to me in terms of in terms of course fit. There's probably not, yeah. but in terms of win equity, there definitely is. I mean, Reed just tends to win more. Uh, but I like the number to sixty six to one. I mentioned Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's at seventy to one. Uh, I think I, I like that number. Our boy Kevin Kisner is at a hundred and forty to one. Last I looked on DraftKings Sportsbook, who lost in a playoff to Ricky Fowler. He's, a few like years back, point. I think that's a big number. That's just too big of a number for Kiss to me. Uh, I mean, that's longer than a, Joel Damon's one twenty-five to one, and I'll bet Joel at one twenty-five to one. If I got to bet Joel at one twenty-five to one, I you you have to bet Kiss at one forty to one. Um, Ryan Palmer's at one seventy-five to one. JT Poston's at one fifty to one. These are some major long shots. Cam Smith. On DraftKings Sportsbook is two hundred to one. That's okay. Jason Day, Adam Scott, Aussies love this place. Cam Smith has won Cam, this year. Cam Smith has won this year. He's an incredible scrambler. He's one of these that his form goes up and down. Like I mean, he he's definitely known to like trunk slam one week and top five mm. the next. Two hundred to one is a massive number for Cam Smith to me. Um, yeah. So those are just a few long, super long shots I'm looking at for now. I also think, again, any number on Joel at top, at top 20 I think is interesting. If you can find a top 20 on Joel, I would do that. I would hammer that. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, like I mentioned, kind of starting down there in that Patrick Reed range at 35-1. to 1. Um, I'm not playing. I just don't feel comfortable playing him in DFS. But yeah. Tony Finau does interest me a little at sixty to one to win though. I mean, I know he he's doesn't not win. A, yeah, but he's just, not winning. You just never know what's going to happen. Craig Perks won this tournament. <laughs> so maybe this is the Craig week. Perks. Maybe this is the week that Tony Finau does. Um, so I'm with you there. Uh, other numbers that just kind of crossed my mind when I was looking at sort of these longer shot guys. Um, you know, answer at ninety to one is interesting. Yeah, I looked I, at that. I know is I know is he hasn't really performed all that great lately, but uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot of pressure on him when he was in Mexico, and we've had two hard courses. Um, so I, I think answer at, at ninety to one could pre- be a pretty good number there. Um, yeah, a lot of long shots this week again, just with the way this tournament is set up. I mean, we you could see those guys win. But, I mean, this is a tournament you still do see, you know, the cream rising to the top, other than the Siwoo victory in 2017, which came out of nowhere, and he was probably in that 225-1 to range. I, yeah. mean, I think he was. I think it was 300-1. to Yeah, he was crazy. Yeah. But then you see, you know, Rory Webb was playing extremely well in 2018 when he won. Jason Day, Ricky, those kind of guys, so shorter odds guys. You do see, I mean, the the – you know, outside of the Craig Perks of the world that have won here and see woo, yeah, there are studs that win this tournament. Yeah. So. Um, let's talk about the DraftKings tiers. 
yes. the, 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 the options for DraftKings tiers. So there's, there's some good contests out there available. It's a new format. Um, you're going to pick from, you're going to pick one player from six different tiers. Uh, they've got them kind of broken up into a few different categories here. And, you know, just talking through, first of all, what contests we looked at. I mean, it, it's kind of tough to know, like, there's not a whole lot of strategy talk. This is the very first week that DK's had this tier thing. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit of a strategy here. But I think the biggest thing to remember is ownership still matters, okay, if you're playing in a tournament with tiers. Ownership definitely still matters. However, it's going to be really tough to predict because you don't have price tags with these guys. Like, you know, if, if you're looking at tier four, you know, you theoretically in every tier you could pick the best player in that tier and roster the best player in every tier in your lineup because there's no pricing. There's no salary cap. So, you know, you can look at ownership projections, and I think that's going to give you some guidelines as to who's going to be popular but at the same time, it's kind of apples to oranges because, you know, again, Tier 4 is an example. You may have Patrick, you may have Bryson, who's more expensive than Patrick Reed in terms of your traditional DraftKings structure, but, you know, you think Patrick Reed's the best player and everybody else thinks he's a better player, you can take him in, in, that, in that Tier 4. So it's going to be, ownership is going to matter, but it's going to be very tough to figure out. And this is, you know, first week in doing it, which may mean there's a lot of variability. There's a lot of possibility for, uh, for you to gain an edge. But you're definitely going to need ownership leverage at some point. So you need to be confident in at least one or two of your tiers that you are getting some ownership leverage if you're going to play in one of these tournaments. Pat, why don't you tell us about some of the tournaments, the, 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 the contests that caught your eye on DraftKings for the tiers? Thank you. Sorry, I was distracted. I was reading. Some You're very comments. distractible. Apparently, somebody mentioned that uh, I had breached Planet Tito's, which I don't. Think, no, he's I think not. I'm okay. I don't yeah, he's good. I can see. The, I can tell in his yeah, eyes. Yeah, you can tell. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I don't like the big five dollar GPP this week. I think that there's going to be some smart ass people that are going to create some damn algorithm that works for this new tier stuff, and this being a whole new de new deal on uh, DraftKings, they're just going to dupe you with the, the 150 max and all that kind of stuff so i'm not a big fan of the big five dollar gpp but what i do like is i, I think if you're if you're not going to play a tournament and you want to just kind of test out this um this new type of contest for golf just play cash you know there's some there's some good you know 25 dollar double ups 50 dollar double ups that kind of stuff 50 50s but if you want to play tournaments i really like the $3 max 20 entry tournament, I think that's a good one to play in. And then if you want to play a little higher dollar amount, do that $33 max 10 entry. So you're just, you're spending $330. It's a max 10 entry. You're giving yourself a better chance to win. So those are the uh, the tournament contests that I like this week, or that $3 20, 20 entry max and then the $33 uh, max 10. There is a $100 single-entry tournament, I believe. Um, yes, there is. I think that one I could like be that. a good one to play in as well. I don't like the cash. I'm not doing cash. I'm not doing cash anything. I like the $100 single. There's also a $12 albatross tier, and there's a $33 dogleg tier single-entry. Yeah. Oh, uh, are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. I'm looking at it. It was added recently. It must have been added yep. late then. Um, so I am, you know... 
I like the tournaments, but I like the single entries or the max that aren't 150. I agree with Pat there. Let's talk about the tiers. Tier one, you have Rory, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas. Um, you know, here's the thing. You just got to pick one and plant your flag. If you're going to play 10 tier lineups, I'd, I don't know. I just recommend you pick one. Just whoever it is, you pick them. And you stick with that one stud, you tighten it up, and you move on. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. We probably know who each other's would be because I said Rory in the show. Although this is another good example. This is what I'm talking about. Like, you can you pick Rom in a classic DFS lineup because you get a $700 price break for Rom. But if you could, like, obviously the best player in here right now is Rory McIlroy. Yeah. So you could do that. So you're not going to get any, you know, you're not going to get any leverage in that top tier anyway. So uh, well, Justin Thomas, I'm sure, will be the lowest owned of the three, but. Uh, tier two is tough. Tier two to me is the toughest tier. Cantlay, Adam Scott, DJ, Xander, and Brooks. I mean, pound for pound, DJ is the best player out of this group. But, you know, Adam Scott's coming off a win recently. Xander's played the last couple weeks. Obviously, I think Brooks is your easy man out. Um but you got to decide between between to me Xander, DJ, Scott, and Cantlay. Who are you? Uh, who, who would you if you had to nail one? Who are you taking here? Xander. Probably going Xander. Yeah, he'd be my one. I think it depends on the rest of your lineup construction what you do here because yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Tier. Let's move on to tier three quickly. I think Fleetwood is your lock in tier three. You've got Hideki, Woodland, Sungjae, Casey, Fleetwood, and Rose. This is your ball strikers tier. I think I think Fleetwood's your lock here because honestly, I mean Hideki is you can definitely make a case for, but the putting thing. I think after Hideki, Fleetwood is solid with with the history here and the fact that I think experience matters. Other than that, you could you could lean Sungjae, who yeah. obviously is incredible. But to me, Fleetwood, with the history and experience being an issue, recent form, you know, and, and checking this, the, the boxes, I like Fleetwood here and think that you may get some leverage here because I think Hideki and M could be possible selections here. I think Tier 4 is extremely interesting. Cause there are yeah, a, Tier 4 is interesting. There's a lot of folks in here that I like. I mean, I mentioned Reed, Bryson, Cooch, Fowler is a fade. Webb is interesting. You know, I mean, yeah, Webb's interesting. So this may be one where you, like, go to whatever ownership projections, you know, get an idea. Yeah. Because, I, again, ownership projections are going to be different for this. But get an idea for who's who's getting talked up, who's not. I mean, Reed and, and Bryson are always going to be a little lower on because people don't like to play them because they don't yeah. like them. But this is a tough one for sure. Um. All right, tier five. Actually, see, this is where. Uh, I. Okay, if I was gonna get some leverage in a tier, I think I'd get it here, and I think I would go Henrik Stenson. See, I was gonna say Victor Hovland. Okay. All, all I, I, only because I know it's his, I know it's the first time and all that kind of stuff. But the dude is across the board. Ball short striking. game is tough though, man. Yeah, the short know, game is not good. I I, I kind of think I could get some leverage with Stenson here. I think he'll go under the radar in this tier five. 
but has played here since like 2006, knows this golf course, knows what he's got to do. Last week I throw out, he was on the wrong side of the draw, and it was his first event in the like two months, um, which I, I think I said on the show was a little concerning anyway. He's, he's kind of one I think needs to warm up, so I throw him out. Tier six I think is pretty easy for me. I'm going with Leishman in tier six. Give me an Aussie, give me a ball striker, give me a guy who played really well last week. Um, you know, I, I, I like Leishman here. You're distracted as hell. Sorry. I'm, uh, go ahead. You continue. I already ahead. finished it. I've already finished okay, it. You weren't even paying attention. I'm with you totally. Good job. You're with me totally. Do you even know what I said? <laughs> no. Something about Leishman. So, tier six, do you have any thoughts? Tier six. God, what, what, what the hell are you doing? Sorry, dude. I'm, I, I'm, I got no wife here. I'm, I got the You kids. weren't texting your wife or your kids. Tier six, we're going to go with. I didn't know we were going to like be going tier God. by tier and all this kind of crap. Um, God, I mean, I think your Leesman play is good. I just feel like he's probably going to be the highest owned guy here. I'd rather go kids, to be honest. I'll look to that. I'll look to that. Okay. Um, I had a couple questions for you, Pat. You're going to have to focus. Okay. Before we do my tramp stamp. Oh, gosh. I have a... I was thinking about this today. Like a what would Pat do segment. And this is very... This is. I don't have very many questions. But I was just thinking about, you know, um, everyday decisions that we make sometimes in life. And I, would, I, I sometimes find myself wondering what would Pat do in these scenarios. So I just want to throw a few questions your way, end the show on, a, on, a, on an interesting side note, and find out what would Pat do in these following scenarios. Um, you're going to need to focus. Can you focus? Okay. Is this like a... I just want to know how you do, what you do. For example, first question. When you're on an airplane, at what point do you stand up to deplane? When it's time to stand up. When, when is that? When do you do that? I mean, like, people file, it's like church. People file out, and, you know, they... Like the people in front, in the pew in front of you, start to leave. It's like going to communion. So when it, you know, like if you're taking communion, you're not Catholic. So you don't. I'm not Catholic either, but I'm Episcopalian, and then we took communion. Okay. Like so, they'd come down the aisle and they tell you, like, okay, this aisle go, this aisle go, this aisle go. So there's an orderly fashion to taking communion, and it's the same way when you're getting off the plane. So when the group, when the when the seats in front of me stand up, okay. Okay. Then I start to think, all right, it's about to be my time to stand up, and okay. then I then I deplane. So you don't stand up before that. You don't stand up when you're at the gate and they turn the bell, the bell rings, and the lights come on. No, that's that's for I don't I don't understand why anybody would do that. Okay. To be honest. That's great. That okay. I'm glad to hear that. That's what I would do. I'm not a huge. I'm not. I'm not a big flyer. You know that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I have a problem with that. To be honest, I can't believe that that's even something that people do. Yeah, it Why definitely Why are they is. doing that? It definitely is. Okay. okay. The, the next few are questions I have about bathroom things because I'm curious how you operate in a bathroom. First of all, along the lines of the airplane, if let's say you're in the middle seat or the window seat, okay? You're on a long flight. 
and the person in the aisle seat is sleeping and you have to piss, do you get up? No. <laughs> no, you don't get up. Because because why? I prefer to torture myself and in, 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 in the to consider other people. I don't want to wake that person up. Like, I'm just going to probably hold it. Now, if it's like a dire emergency, yeah, I'm going to be, but I'm going to try to hold it as long as I possibly can until, like, I see movement of some sort, like maybe adjustment to, to a different position. And you like, see that, you're like, there's my opening. There's my window. And you're going. I'm looking for a window. It's not going to be an automatic push you aside and out. Um, all right. You're on a road trip. You got to take, you got to, you got to poop. And. You run up in a gas station bathroom. Mm -hmm. There's a male and female bathroom. You go to tug on the door of the male, and it's locked. Female is unlocked. Do you wait on the male, or do you go ahead in the female? Wait on the male. How long until you go in the female? There is a time frame, and if if you're running... In the seven to eight minute range, you're. I'm okay. And if I know, I'm I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna look around the area and see that there's no females that I might put out by putting them. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna make sure that I get a lay of the land. That's good. Okay. So that's that's fine. We we can we can move on. Um, I I think that's just a new possible segment that we could work out. Like what would Pat do, and like give you some everyday scenarios. So maybe listeners can, I can send help in some, some people questions out, or something. Yeah, you probably could. Um, all right, bud. Well, I think it's now pretty much time for me to apply the tramp stamp. So uh, we'll do that. We'll put that up on uh, social media. Do you need a wet cloth if for of some, some sort, reason that or what do you need? Somebody wants to watch. Yeah, I'm gonna need a wet paper towel. Hold on. Um, so we got to do that. But you know, great show. Looking forward to the week. The players' championship is gonna be a good time. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. May your screens be green. See ya!